Online, welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday evening. Coming up in today's feature program, a chat with Kaifas Semenya. My name is Buti Chakale, the Archbishop of the Catholic Church here in Johannesburg. And you are listening to Catholic View with Sheila Pires. Welcome back to our feature program. In a wide-range interview about family, culture, moral values, and the ongoing land debate as well as racial divide in South Africa, legendary composer and musician Kaifa Semenya reminds us of the importance of knowing one's roots. Tate Kaifa Semenya, it's such an honor to be talking to you. How's your day so far? The honor is mine. I'm glad to be on your show. All right. Let's talk about music. How did you manage to stay on board for so many years? What is your secret? Uh, I don't know if I have a secret. But I guess um, it's because when I started in this business, you know, I was inspired by those people who were our elders, you know? And uh, most of them um, had an attitude about music, and they regarded music as sacred. And uh, if you are an artist, uh, there was something mysterious about you, a, a certain mystique uh, that uh, you had to, to, to dedicate yourself to it, not because you're going to get paid, but because it is something that needs to be done if you you have that talent. I noticed that with regards to your wife, she discovered her talent when she was 13 years old. And you started singing with your group of three other boys when you were 15 years old. Why yeah. was that? Was music the only way out to entertain yourselves or to keep yourselves busy during those times? Why is it that so many great artists emerged at such a young age during that time of the apartheid regime? Yeah, you know, with, with me, um, in, in, in our classroom, I think I was doing standard four or five, and um, I had uh, a couple of friends, uh, Montsuku and Petroni, who were the same age, exactly the same age, and we were in the same classroom. And, and uh, so during break, when there was a break, because there used to be like a 45-minute break, um, which was lunchtime, we would spend most of our time just uh, playing and singing in the classroom, you know? And most of the time, that's what we did. And we sang all the songs that were popular at the time, but we were not thinking about being you know, musicians or singers or getting into the business. We just loved singing. And uh, after a while, some of the kids who were in our class, they expected us to do the show every, every day uh, during break because lunch would be 30 minutes or so. Then there was the extra where we just performed for, 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 for fun, for fun. 
that we became so famous in school that some other kids from other classes would also come to our class during that break. And uh, and that's how I think uh, the bad bit us. But we didn't know that we actually practicing to be a group a year later. Interesting story. And of course, after that, we all know you just grew and grew even more. And you worked with great legends all over the world, especially in America, when you relocated mm-hmm. to that side. But now... Yeah. Talk to us about family life. What binds you together? What makes your love so strong? Yes, in my case, I grew up in a, in a, in a family that was really rooted in African values, you know? And uh, when I grew up, my grandmother was there, my, I mean, my paternal grandmother, my maternal grandmother. And, um, you know, there was a certain pride when they used to tell uh, tell us about our history, like from my grand, my paternal grandmother's side, my maternal grandmother's side. There was all, always this pride. My grandmother was so proud to have been married into the Matupas. That's my maternal grandmother. She was very proud about it. And she was very proud about my grandfather. And I grew up not knowing my grandfather because he passed on when I was very young. And uh, and uh, she was still dedicated to my grandfather, even though he had long passed away. And uh, and she would uh, say that had he lived, we would be happy, you know, together. And one of the things that she used to say, because, you know, in the townships in Bidoni, there used to be these young people who, you know, uh, fight or some, or some uh, lady was beaten up by a man. And my grandmother would say, you know, these things never happen to us. We don't know these things. These things are location things. You know, we don't know what these things are. Same thing with my paternal grandmother. She used to be proud of my grandfather. And so I grew up, as I was growing up, my mother, my father also passed on, and I was raised, literally raised my mother. And my mother went to her grave very proud of having been married to my father, you know? And I saw this as a great value of the marriage was very important. If you married somebody because you love somebody, there's no reason for you later on not to to unlove them. (laughs) I don't have another word to you, but to unlove them. If in the beginning you were not infatuated, but you actually loved the person, so there was no reason later on not to love them. And I'm still holding on to that. Wow. What a beautiful story, hey? What a beautiful story. Ages and ages ago, and you still remember them as if it was just yesterday when your grandmothers told you this. No, very Mm -hmm. beautiful and inspirational indeed. But now still on that subject of family life, what are your words of advice to the young men of today? As you know, we live in a society that is very broken there are lots of single parents out there, and there's a lot of other societal ills that are taking place in our country. What are your words to the young men of today? Well, you know, when I, when I speak to some of the young men, including my own sons, you know, I, um, I usually tell them that, uh, you know, when you, before you marry anybody or before you say you love somebody, it really should be true. You know, because there is infatuation. Sometimes you can look at some girl because she's pretty, she's got all these qualities that you think 
to being a woman who is uh, of a certain type or class. You know, but uh, be careful. Look at the heart. Look at the woman's heart. What kind of a person, person she is. You know, how does she treat people? Not only you, but other people. Check her family out. What kind of family does she come from? And what kind of values does she hold, you know? And what does she believe in before you rush into it? And I'm sure even that girlfriend of yours, from her family, they tell her the same thing. Don't look at uh, the type of a son because he looks good or he's got that and that. Check and see what kind of family he comes from. So I think most of the problems that we are facing now and the young people are facing is because most of them come from families that really have lost touch with themselves. They've been completely uprooted from their own cultural values. You just said something very special there, something very interesting rather, that it's people that have moved away from culture. They don't mm. take culture seriously. Now, how can we instill that back into our society, the value of culture? Because that's quite important. You need to know where you come from in order to know where you're going. Yes. I think uh, what has happened to us is the impact of Western culture on our culture. It's a clash of cultures, you know, because, you see, when they arrived here, they found in our community that young men and women, when they reached a certain age, especially 18, they were taken to, uh, through a rite of passage. They were taught to be responsible citizens or responsible members of the community, responsible men and responsible women, even at that age. So when they grew up, they grew up already having been schooled, you know, and, account, and, and, uh, and instilled in themselves the culture that they came from. Um, now we don't have those institutions. And there were institutions. Maybe there was not a huge building, you know, built there. But they used to do this, you know, in certain secluded areas where when a young man came out, he respected not only his mother and father, but every mother and father in the community, including young girls and including every woman. Because if you did not do that, you were like... Uh, a pariah in that community. And no young man wanted to grow up not having been, not having gone through the rituals of going to the mountains to be taught your, your culture, to be taught respect, to be taught love and, and everything to you explained what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father what it means to be a brother, what it means to be an uncle. All these things were taught to us. So Western culture has really dismantled a lot of these things now that is gender, uh, 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 you know, what do you call it again? Violence against women, and nobody is taken to jail. But, or, or, but in the olden days, when you were such a man, you were chastised. And you will be taught how to behave like a man. And if you were a young man, you could be old, but if you continued acting like you were a child, they would chastise you right in front of everybody.
So all these things are no longer done now. It's freedom. And this is what you get from freedom that is unfettered by any cultural, um, uh, how can I say this, a cultural, um, uh, what's the word? I'm looking for the word. I can say it in because in this culture now is that I don't care who says what, I'm an individual. But where we come from culturally, you are not an individual, you are a member of the community of the society. And therefore, whatever you do impacts on the society. Yeah, I think you've said it all. You've said it all with regards to the moral values that we see nowadays. And speaking mm -hmm. of those moral values, speaking of the importance of culture, how do you see the music industry today? The music industry is most interesting. <laughs> because when I was growing up, you know, some of the songs that we sang, you know, or some, well, the, the, the elders, you know, they sang songs that, uh, that, that were inspirational and songs that had uh, social comment. For instance, I remember... There was a song um, by, um, by uh, I think it was Bentech, but, you know, and it was a whole song that talked about young people and being rooted in your culture and not dis disrespecting uh, elders and so on. And uh, there were songs that uh, the Manhattan Brothers sang, in which this, uh, the, the lyric says, I have done this even though you, mommy, used to tell me not to do these things. And today, I find myself in this place, in jail, because of the things that I have done. Even though you used to uh, uh, try to correct me, I would be angry at you. You know, and there were a lot of these songs that used to 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 to, to be listened to by the uh, the, uh, the community. And most of the groups sang some of these songs that were really, really relevant to society. And I grew up also under that influence. And we sang songs that were really relevant, even though there were also, of course, uh, love songs and, and all kinds of songs. But I must say, majority of the songs, you know, preached people being responsible. And now today, you know, like the kids, they say they are into hip-hop. Some of them don't even know what hip-hop means because it comes from the States. You know, it was created by young people, young African-Americans in the U.S., and they know what hip-hop is. Our children here, they follow to me and say they, they do hip-hop, but uh, I don't know because they have to really download that and find out exactly what they mean when they say they are into those things. So most of the time, they do not say anything or embrace anything which has to do with their cultural roots. Yeah, that uh, is something to really think about and analyze quite well because young people look up to artists. Young people want to be like these artists, they see artists as their role models. And mm. you see a lot of young people into substance abuse, into yes. alcoholism, into mm -hmm. glamour, you know. Hence, you see young ladies being, uh, being easily misled by what you call the sugar daddies. 
because they want to live that lavish lifestyle. I'm not saying that don't portray all these beautiful things in your music videos, but I'm just saying let us teach our young people about the real values of life. Let us use music to educate, to uplift society. We have so many young people in tertiary institutions that because of depression, they take their own lives. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot that our society has to look deep into. And uh, I don't think it's the responsibility of government uh, to to um, try and and harness the energies of young people into um, a, a, a trajectory that would make them responsible. You know, I think society also has a role to play. Mama and Papa in the home, grandmother and grandfather in the home, we are raising children, so raise them with values. Like I said, a lot of the things that I learned you know, the cultural values. I got from my great from my grandparents. You know, and of course my mother and, and uh, my uncle and so on. So I was one of those kids who listened and I'm not the only one. Most of the friends that I grew up with in the fifties when we were all singing in different groups, with George Down, with Lamakele, I can call one after the other. They came from families that were truly African families, even though we lived in the township. And we held on to these values, most of us. You know, that even when we went overseas and we were in exile, we were huge, we were all of us, we came back intact because we had imbibed our culture, even as kids, when we were still young. So nobody could take all that out of us. We came back intact. And I never lost that. And I was out there for 30 years. So if a seed is planted on ground, that is good. That seed will grow. But if the ground was not prepared well, that seed will not grow. And therefore, everybody... Every parent, every uncle who are raising kids, remember who you are, where you came from. Hang on to your culture for dear life, because once you lose it, you are like a ship caught in a storm. And of course, what awaits such a ship is going to crash somewhere, or it's going to sink somewhere, when it hits some rock somewhere in the ocean and that would be it.
Ate Kaifes, I know that your music speaks a lot about not just culture, but speaks a lot about the people, what the pain that the people are going through, the happy times that the people are going through. You speak about current issues, what's happening in the country. Now, seeing that this is 2018 and South Africa is now in a space where we call a democracy, a democracy. We are in a democratic South Africa. We have this freedom that we are supposed to be enjoying. At the same time, we are going through a period of transformation. There's the issue of land reforms. There's the issue of uh, racism. And you've seen a lot happening recently. What are your words about the South Africa that we are living in today? Do you think much has changed since the times that you would sing about the sorrows, the the pain and the wishes for the liberation of this country? Do you think much has changed? What what are your thoughts? Well, if, if you're talking about people having been conscious about who they are and their struggles, you know, um, I, I see that... Um, um, it, it really hasn't changed because a lot of people are still conscious of, of uh, where they are, that the freedom that uh, is supported now to be in this country, uh, black people are not really benefiting that much from it. So nothing has changed. There's a lot that hasn't changed because the land issue, as you, as you mentioned, it, there is a very hot, hot, hot uh, debate that's going on and um, and and I'm glad that uh, African people are talking about it because remember, and I don't know if uh, th- those who ask these questions, what are they going to do with the land, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Remember that to Africans, land is sacred. And Africans owned land communally. It belonged to the community to society. It was not private property. That's not our definition of uh, land ownership. We did not own, la- uh, uh, own land as a person, uh, uh, an individual, and say, this is my property. It was owned by the community. And therefore, we are now in this period, again, with the impact that by Western culture, which looks at land as a commodity. In our culture, land is not a commodity. In our culture, land belongs to all of us. The only things that become your private property are things that you are responsible to bring into being. You know, things like, for instance, uh, if you make a hole, that's yours. If you make a rope, that's yours. If you make blankets, those belong to you. If you raise cattle and you have the technique of raising cattle, they belong to you. But you cannot say, this land is my property because our people looked at it this way. God created the earth, not a person. And therefore, you cannot claim land and say it's your personal property. It's not yours. And that's how our people looked at it. They were not dumb. They were not stupid. They had looked at all this that 
If you continue saying, this is mine, so the next person says, it's not yours. You found it here. Then you start fighting over it. And once you start fighting over it, there is no peace among you. So our people shared it, and that way there was peace among them when it came to the land question. You understand? So now, in the West, that's why they had all these wars in Europe. They were always fighting over land, over anything that was of value. They had to fight over it. But they cannot say that they found us here fighting over land and fighting over water, fighting over that uh, that mountain that it belongs to so-and-so. We didn't do those things. That's not our culture. And this, and this question, now our people should tell the white people who are with us now that remember that to us, land is shared by the people. So you cannot come here and begin to claim this as your private property. It is not your private property. You did not create it. It belongs to God. Like uh, many are saying, this is a serious ticking bomb, this debate, because there's a lot that needs to be said. There's a lot that needs to be heard. And there's a solution that has to come into place. We hope for the yes. best. We pray for the best. And we pray that there shall be peace and understanding in the meantime as we get to the solution of this land debate. And of course, to the issues of racial divide in our country, in our society, which is somehow coming back again. There's a lot of uh, rage. There's a lot of anger in the air. And things need to be dealt with, as your wife put it so well in a, in a chat with me, that people need to sit down and talk about their hurt, talk about what they've experienced in order mm -hmm. to move forward. That's true. Yes, that's needed. Yeah, I think this country really needs, um, uh, how can I, honesty. We need to be honest in discussing our past. Because our past is very painful to African people. And uh, it seems that in, in other quarters, they have not... Uh, come to grips with the fact that what happened to the African people a long time ago is still very painful today because the poorest people in this country are African people. And that doesn't make sense because this is the land of their forefathers. Why should they be the poorest? So all these things should be discussed in order for this country to have peace. Then Honesty should rule, and, and people should come together and talk about it, and talk openly about it. The thing that, that uh, for me, one of the things that really fascinates me is that when the question of the oppression and the Holocaust that happened to the Jewish people in Europe, that was uh, perpetrated by Germany, it is discussed openly. There are movies that have been made, you know, over and over and over again. But when it comes to what has happened to black people in this country, it's like it's a no-no. It should not be discussed. 
it. Because if you discuss it, if you discuss it, then you are encouraging racism. When black people say, you have done this to me, it comes out like, it's racism. But when the Jewish people say to the Germans, you have done this to me, it is history. Mm. So that's why I say honesty is needed in this country. It should be discussed. What happened when white folks landed here? And white folks should admit that it did happen. And therefore, that's where we are. And now, how do we move from the past to the future together? Now that we are here together now. Thank you so much for those words. Uh, you've certainly planted a seed in all of us. We, we need to really look back and analyze and think and rethink and move forward, find solutions to move forward and not forget our past. It is our history. We need to learn about it. Our future children, future generations need to know about this history. It's part of history. It's part of who we are as a country. Yes, yes. Because if, if, we, if they don't know, they may repeat it. And if the whites are not told the truth, they may one day repeat it. Or the blacks are not told the truth, they may one day repeat it. Maybe not against each other, but maybe against other people who may live among them, you know? So all these things need to be discussed. And there is nothing as wonderful as telling the truth and coming to grips with it. So it is time for this country to cotire itself. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Muito obrigada. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. And we're looking forward to seeing you on stage, of course, on the 1st of September. Oh, thank you very
Well then, that brings me up to time. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic Fuel, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed weekend and thank you so much for listening. I'm Sheila Pirsch.